In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Bravo Docket. So we are just going to dive right in and pick up where we left off, which is reading the complaint that Edelson filed against Erica Girardi and other people which he claims are involved in a criminal ent- consisting of Tom's law firm. So let's jump in. We're starting at paragraph 232, page 43. I mean, this thing is just massive. So we'll get right into it, finish up this one, and then talk about the other lawsuits that have popped up and then some other drama between the players involved in these cases. So let's go. All right. Erica's defense of Tom and the bizarre shifting stories about his car accident. Paragraph 232. Erica embarked on a campaign to defend Tom after the revelations of the scheme were uncovered. During the filming of the Housewives Season 11 reunion episodes, Erica made several statements intended to create uncertainty about whether Tom stole money from his clients, including, I think there's a chance it's not true. Only one side of the story has been told. And, quote, we are a long way from finding out what really happened here. Erica made these statements on national television, despite knowing that Tom already admitted to stealing money in federal court and the State Bar of California had stripped him of his law license for misappropriating client funds. Popcorn. Sessie. I I just like that he's like quoting directly from Real Housewives because this is what we've talked about. Oh, you guys were asking, are they going to take Erica's statements? Is this going to come up in court? And here it is in a pleading mm-hmm. filed in federal court. Mm-hmm. So one of his associates got to watch it and type this out. So it says, during that episode, Erica also answered a question about whether she was ever suspicious of Tom by saying Erica was making her own money. I was doing fine. This answer is remarkable because it implies that Erica was spending her own money rather than money given to her through Girardi Keese, which was not true. Incredibly, Erica also used her platform on the season 11 reunion episode to insult the victims of the scheme. When asked if she felt remorse for the victims, Erica responded by saying, well, they're alleged at this point, so you still have to to get to that. That's why that word is thrown around. 
This monstrosity of fuck shit is going to take a very long time. So that's all I ask for is patience. It will land when these people are properly compensated, if they should be. You cannot just jump on the conclusion. You cannot just take one article and say, this must be gospel. We have a long way to go. Paragraph 237. While the administration of the bankruptcy estate may, quote, take a very long time to sort out, the issue of whether Tom stole money from his personal injury clients is not an open question. Tom admitted that he did, the accounting records prove that he did, and the state bar has finally recommended he be stripped of his law license. Uh, by contrast, is still trying to denigrate the victims of the scheme by pretending that a court has yet to determine if they are owed any money. Immediately after the scheme was uncovered, Erica also began parroting a story about Tom's supposed mental decline that his attorneys were advancing. To that end, Erica began attempting to explain away the decade-long enterprise on housewives by blaming Tom's supposed mental decline on a traumatic brain injury that she says Tom suffered from a 2017 car accident. She goes on to tell her castmates that part of true brain trauma is making decisions that you wouldn't normally make. But the 2017 car accident was covered on Housewives in season eight and was described by Erica much differently than the way she is describing it now. At that time, Erica explained on the show that Tom got into a car accident and broke his ankle, adding it was fine and could have been so much worse. She then repeated it could have been so much worse multiple times while shaking her head. Commentary from me here. There are cross-examinations faux ones, obviously, fantasy cross-examinations of Erica up on our Instagram that I was inspired to do after watching this because it was so frustrating seeing her change her story on camera. They're entertaining and feel free to go look at those if when we're reading this, you feel frustrated as well. It was a fun mental exercise for me. So yeah, those are on our Instagram in a highlight. Erica would go on to confirm this version of the story several times. For example, in January 2018, a few months after the accident, Erica spoke with Michael Rappaport on the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. When asked how Tom was doing, Erica replied, perfectly healed. He's great. He's good. Tom is a little superhuman in a way. He healed and he's back at it. So there you go. Two months later, in March 2018, Erica was interviewed by Jenny McCarthy on her podcast, The Inner Circle. During this interview, Jenny asked about Tom's broken ankle, and Erica nonchalantly replied, He broke his ankle. He's fine. He had three pins. He healed up so well. He broke the pins. So he's good. But after the scheme was uncovered, Erica's story about the accident changed dramatically. In season 11, episode 10 of Housewives, which was filmed on or around December 14, 2020, Erica tells a new story about Tom's 2017 car accident, that Tom drove off the side of a cliff behind his home in Pasadena, was ejected from his car, and rolled down a hill, causing him to break his ankle, shoulder, and clavicle, and lose consciousness for 12 hours, and suffer a traumatic brain injury. Of course, if these new details about the car accident were true, it may have been understandable for Erica to keep them private. But by all accounts, Erica's new story appears to be fabricated. Just weeks after the accident, Tom and Erica filmed a scene in their kitchen for season eight, episode nine of Housewives. Though his shoulder and clavicle were supposedly broken at the time, Tom was not wearing any casts, slings, or harnesses of any kind and appeared to be moving his arms and shoulders normally. Further, the Pasadena police have no record of Tom's accident taking place and have no evidence whatsoever of the crash. Erica's bizarre new version of events made her castmates, who were still trying to make sense of the revelations, uncomfortable. For example, after the episode aired, castmate Sutton Strack said, 
I just didn't know why we were all of a sudden talking about this accident and why we're talking about this head injury. It was a confusing story. I got a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. And then I think the rest of the girls who knew this story about some car accident were hearing new information from Erica this time around. I don't know why, but somehow the fact that Sutton is quoted in this complaint is just making me happy. I'm Mm -hmm. smiling right now as I'm reading it, and I don't know how to exactly explain this feeling, but for some reason... What she said makes sense, Like, and she's getting credit in a pleading. I just... Also, I'm not. I, I'm just gonna be honest. I like Fancy Drew. I like her. I think she's, you know, as problematic as any housewife is. But I find her to be very entertaining, and I really appreciate the fact that she had the cojones to call out Erica several times in oh, these yeah. seasons. But who knows what she's gonna do next? They all tend to do things. Yeah. Regardless of whether her new version of the 2017 car accident is true or not, the timing of Erica's decision to provide the new details when she did while filming on December 14th, 2020, reveals that she is using her platform on Housewives to assist with Tom's defense. Indeed, on the exact same day that Erica's new version of events was filmed for Housewives, and months before it was aired, Tom's lawyers appeared for a hearing in the Lion Air case and raised issues about his mental competency for the very first time in court. When asked what happened to the Lion Air widow's and orphan's settlement money, Tom's attorneys stated that Mr. Girardi is 81 years of age and has had issues regarding his mental competence and requested an opportunity to have a mental evaluation of Tom Girardi prepared. The timing of Eric. Wait, wait. Didn't you post it? Isn't this one of our like most popular Instagram posts? Didn't you post about this? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we have a post about this that Ceci did on our Instagram where she connected these two events like a year ago, I think. And it's really good. So. Yeah. Feel free to look that up as well. I tried to do like a timeline so when people were watching, they could figure out what was going on legally at that time. Yeah. Um, the timing of Erica's decision to reveal the supposed new details about the 2017 car accident, which occurred on the same day that Tom's lawyers raised a mental incom- incompetency defense for the first time, shows that Erica is colluding with Tom and likely coordinating directly with his lawyers to assist with his defense. And this would make sense as to why, if this is all true, this is all an allegation, but if this is true, it would make sense why she was so freaked out when everyone was like, you talk to Tom. Yeah, that was the whole scene last season where she lost her mind and slammed the door and yelled at Garcelle in a really unfair way. And I I have to say, reading this the way Edelson has it laid out, and probably unnamed associate who did a really good job working on this complaint. It really is making sense to me because it was so, it was really hard to understand why somebody would behave the way Erica was about her ex-husband or soon-to-be ex-husband or future ex-husband. It was just so inconsistent. So I, I can see how Edelson has a good faith basis for laying things out this way and connecting it in this complaint. I'm not saying it's true or false. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying the way it's laid out, it does. You can understand the thought process. In this way, Erica's participation in the scheme is ongoing and continues to this day as she colludes with Tom and uses her celebrity platform to disseminate false facts to the public, including by suggesting that the Ponzi scheme, which has been going on since at least 2010, can be blamed on a supposed traumatic brain injury that Tom sustained in 2017. Section K 
Erica leverages the scandal to further her career and stay relevant in the tabloids. Paragraph 249. Erica was in the middle of filming for Housewives Season 11 as news of the Ponzi scheme came to light. Though it would have been understandable for Erica to withdraw from the show or at least choose not to talk about her legal problems on national television, she instead made the decision to leverage the scandal to further her career and stay relevant in the tabloids, meaning more exposure and a larger paycheck for her next season of Performing on Housewives. To that end, Erica is relishing the attention, even as she is being criticized for her lack of sympathy for the victims of the enterprise whose money she flaunted on national television as her own. On the same day that her involvement in the scheme was exposed in court filings, Erica tweeted a picture of herself to nearly 500,000 Twitter followers captioned, High Drama. After a federal judge found that Tom had misappropriated at least $2 million from his Lion Air clients, she posted a scantily clad picture of herself on Instagram for her 2.5 million followers captioned, Got buffoons eating my blank while I watch cartoons. That's a little Kim lyric. First of all, Erica is posting a lyric that she didn't even write. I think even Kyle Richard said, Erica, this is inappropriate when Erica did that. So paragraph 252, in response to all the negative comments she was receiving on social media, she posted another provocative photo on Instagram captioned, quote, I thought about disabling comments, but you all are so gullible, I just can't. At this point, Erica knows the public response to her post is negative, but she is leveraging even the negative press to continue her career as a reality television star. Popcorn. As season 11 progressed, record numbers of viewers were tuning into Housewives each week to watch Erica's real-life turmoil unfold on the show, and she soon became the focal point of each episode. When Bravo announced that it would air a four-part reunion show for this season of Housewives, she tweeted, Now what would make it four parts? Question mark, question mark, me. But rather than show any remorse or compassion for the victims, she used her platform to attack their credibility question whether any money was actually stolen from them, even though this is an admitted fact by Tom and others, vehemently denied that she had anything to do with the scheme and portray herself as the only true victim. Though Erica has published numerous posts making light of the Ponzi scheme, none are more insensitive that the cartoon of her than the cart. Oh, that's a typo on them, not me. That the cartoon of herself <laughs> hanging on a cross that she posted on Instagram which mocks the Lion Air victims with earrings that display the words widows and orphans and a caption declaring herself the scapegoat. And we've all seen that image. The thing about the image, though, is I don't think she realized. I think she thought it was a fan drawing, like praising her. So she reshared it. But it's very clearly calling her out for being so terrible. I don't think she really got it. Either she's dumb or she's insensitive. Yeah. Those are the two options there. Yes. So they're both bad. Right. And I like that they include, so they include a screenshot in the complaint. And you can tell that they, I mean, of course, all of the comments, most of them are really bad on this post, but you could tell that they chose some really good negative comments in the screenshot in the complaint where someone says, not a good look, read the room. Someone else says, she don't give a F and that's obvious. And then someone else said, what exactly did you expect from posting this? Yeah, I don't think it was really all that difficult for them to find some negative comments. Oh, no. I yeah. just like to point out that, like, yeah. might as well take advantage of the fact that you're putting a screenshot into a complaint by putting in some additional, like, judgmental comments or appropriately judgmental comments. In yeah, the, and did she even screenshot. give credit to the person who actually drew it? No. Of course not. It was Drunk John. It was what? The account called Drunk John. Oh, Okay. Okay, well, we're giving you credit, Drunk John. Paragraph 256. The depiction of widows and orphans, earrings in the cartoon, 
satirized the real-life $750,000 diamond earrings that Erica often flaunted on housewives and was meant to mock the idea that she ever received money stolen from Tom's clients. Though intended as a cruel joke, the Girardi Keys bankruptcy trustee recently discovered that the funds used to purchase Erica's $750,000 diamond earrings were in fact funded from a trust account holding settlement money belonging to Tom's personal injury clients. Tellingly, when the trustee demanded that Erica turn them over to the estate so that they can be used to help compensate the victims of the scheme, she initially refused to give them up. Though her social media posts are insensitive and shameful on their own, the reason that Erica continues to draw attention to this scandal is far more nefarious. Erica understands that in the world of reality television, she can leverage the scandal and stay in the tabloid press, meaning more exposure and a larger paycheck for her next season of Performing on Housewives. She is also in talks for a role on another reality show, Celebrity Big Brother, and announced that she started a hair extensions product line on the same social media channels that she is using to mock the legal proceedings and insult the victims. I mean, it's I not like, like she reaching be, um, a little Yeah, bit. exactly. I was going to yeah. say, like, well, whatever. She can go on other shows and make more money if the bankruptcy proceeds and they find that she has to return some money or pay the creditors with the gifts or whatever like she might as well be making money yeah but anyway i think this whole section is just to paint her in a bad light and it has no real connection to me with the claims which we'll read and go through again and like angela mentioned in the last episode explain the elements of racketeering and conspiracy to commit racketeering so i just think this adds context but it's not necessary for the claims I agree with the last couple paragraphs that we read, but like I said before, I think the ones where she is clearly, at least it appears that she is trying to help Tom, that makes sense that those are included. But this stuff, I don't see what this has to do mm -mm. with the scandal. No. So I would agree if somebody feels like, okay, well, this is pushing it a little bit far. We agree with you. Mm -hmm. but I don't think it was wrong to include it necessarily. I think it maybe paints the whole picture, especially if you have a clerk or a judge reading this and they're not a Housewives fan. So I, I understand why they included it. I don't think it was morally wrong to include it, but I don't see how it necessarily furthers the scheme. But no. I completely understand wanting to paint a full picture. Not everybody is a Housewives fan. We don't understand that, but they're not. <laughs> so you want to paint a full picture for the person reading this of everything that's going on. So I completely understand including it so that the person reading it, if they're not in this world that we're all in, understands the context. Right. But that being said, there is a lot more that he could have put in about Lear Griffin, at least with their relationship to Tom. I don't think they ever mentioned in here that, is it Lyra is Tom's son-in-law or anything like that. So it's like, we're going so in on Erica. I guess they did with the last episode that we went through where they went through the messages and emails that they were sending back and forth. But if we're going to get into like, who Erica yeah. is, why not get into who these other people are as well? There was a lot of stuff that we didn't read out about the runner that we talked about and his criminal yeah. history because we didn't feel like that was necessary. They absolutely included the criminal history of the case runner that we discussed. But yeah, I could see how leaving out some of the stuff about the other couple people that they've included in the racketeering scheme while including all the stuff about Erica I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But like, why would you not? Okay. I just lost my place because I went to go see if he mentioned that Lyra was the son-in-law and he did in a parenthetical. But I just think there was more that came out in Lion Air about all of them. But I mean, he knows. Edelson knows. Okay. So now we'll briefly go through the causes of action in here. So these are the claims that 
Edelson is alleging against the parties. He hasn't alleged the same claims against all of them, so we'll just mention them briefly. We're not going to get too much into the law, and we won't repeat anything because a lot of these repeat the facts that were alleged that prove the claim, but we've already gone through that. We're at the end of the complaint. Okay, so first cause of action is racketeering. This is against Lyra, Griffin, Cayman, and Hatcher. So not against Erica, not against, is it Pretty Mess, the Pretty Mess Inc.? Uh, yeah, it's Pretty Mess Inc. And then, well, it's actually EJ, EJ Global. Global LLC yeah. and then Pretty Mess Inc. is the subsequent company that she incorporated. Okay, so here it goes. As alleged in detail above, the Girardi family enterprise engaged in a pattern of racketeering activity that included wire fraud, mail fraud, money laundering, engaging in monetary transactions and property derived from specific unlawful activity, interstate transportation of stolen goods, and obstruction of justice. As alleged in detail above, Lyra, Griffin, Cayman, and Hatcher each had their own roles in the Girardi family enterprise and maintained those roles over the years and from scheme to scheme. Lyra personally conducted the affairs of the Girardi family enterprise by committing over 100 predicate acts, including acts of wire fraud, mail fraud, money laundering, engaging in monetary transactions, in property derived from specified unlawful activity, interstate transportation of stolen goods, and obstruction of justice. Griffin personally conducted the affairs of the Girardi family enterprise by committing dozens of predicate acts, including acts of wire fraud, money laundering, engaging in money monetary transactions, in property derived from specific unlawful activity, and interstate transportation of stolen goods. Cayman personally conducted the affairs of the Girardi family enterprise by committing hundreds of predicate acts. Hatcher personally conducted the affairs of the Girardi family enterprise by committing dozens of predicate acts. And just a quick refresher, Lyra is Tom's son-in-law. He is an attorney. Griffin is an attorney. Cayman is there. It is K-A-M-O-N. So it's Cayman, Cayman. He is the CFO, right, of Girardi Keys? The accountant. The accountant. And then Hatcher is the runner, the case runner that we talked about. So just a, a refresher of who all those people are. Yeah. So it's interesting that he's alleging Lyra had over 100, Cayman had hundreds, Griffin dozens, Hatcher dozens. And that's, and that's what Edelson knows about, that mm-hmm. he could allege with a good faith basis in federal court. It's pretty bad. All right. So the next one, the second cause of action is conspiracy to commit racketeering. And in our previous episode, we discussed the elements and we discussed conspiracy. And this one is against Lyra, Griffin, Cayman, Hatcher, wrongful death consultants, which is the attorney lending company, EJ Global, which is Erica's pretty, it's Erica's company that she was Erica Jane under that received all of the funds. And then Erica personally. I think wrongful death consultants was Hatcher's case running business. The funding is California lending. And to explain what this conspiracy to commit racketeering is, we're just going to read from this. And it says, even if they did not direct or manage the affairs of the Girardi family enterprise, Lyra, Griffin, Cameron, Hatcher, wrongful death consultants, EJ Global, and Erica agreed that someone would commit predicate acts as detailed above. Lyra, Griffin, Cameron, Hatcher, and Erica were each aware of the essential nature and scope of the Girardi family enterprise, and they intended to participate in it and share in its profits. The Lionair clients were deprived of money that they would not otherwise have. The Lionair clients were deprived of money that they would not otherwise have lost. As a direct and proximate result of defendants' racketeering activities, the Lionair clients have been injured through the theft of their settlement monies and payment of illegitimate attorney's fees. And just one quick thing here, the reason why 
Edelson is focusing on so much on the Lion Air clients is because that's what he has standing to assert. He is stepping into the shoes of the Lion Air clients. He does not have standing to assert claims for what could potentially be the hundreds of other victims that didn't receive money from other lawsuits. He has standing because he is stepping into the shoes of the Lion Air clients that he represented. So he can't assert, he doesn't have standing to assert claims based on other people. He can make allegations about the ongoing conspiracy because of the way the law works, but he can't assert claims that he doesn't have standing to assert, if that makes sense. The third cause of action is receipt of stolen property. This is, again, against everyone, or Griffin, Lyra, Cayman, Hatcher, Wrongful Death Consultants, Erica, and EJ Global. So it says between March and December 2020, Griffin received a salary from Girardi Keese. The money used to fund Griffin's salary was obtained from funds held in trust for the Lion Air clients by Girardi Keese in a manner constituting theft, which fact Griffin knew at all relevant times. Huh? <laughs> that syntax is kind of weird. Yeah, I was like, am I... Reading this correctly? While reading this? I hate when there's typos and then I read them and it sounds like I can't read, but it's like, no, that didn't make sense. Okay. Lyra received a salary from Girardi Keith. The money used to fund Lyra's salary was obtained from funds held in trust from the Lion Air clients by Girardi Keith in a manner constituting theft, a fact Lyra knew at all relevant times. Between March and December 2020, came and received a salary. I won't read the same thing again. Between March and in October 2020, wrongful death consultants received checks from Girardi Keese, typically in the amount of $50,000 or $5,000. The money used to fund that was also obtained from funds from the Lion Air Trust. On information and belief, wrongful death consultants transferred the money it received to George Hatcher or otherwise used it to benefit George Hatcher. Between March and November 2020, came and used money obtained from funds held in trust for the Lion Air clients by Girardi Keese in a manner constituting theft to pay the balances of American Express credit cards or charge cards used by Erica and EJ Global. So normal people terms, this is that the accounting guy, I guess the CFO of Girardi Keys, is alleged to have used money from the Lion Air Trust to pay off Erica's credit cards. The fourth cause of action is aiding and abetting concealment of stolen property. And this is California Penal Code Section 496C. And this is against Griffin, Lyra, Cayman, Hatcher, and wrongful death consultants. So they're not alleging that Erica had anything to do with this. And basically it's saying they aided and abetted each other in concealing the money from the Lion Air clients, which we've read the factual basis already of this complaint that Edelson is asserting for this. So you guys know why. It's basically they were moving things around, hiding things, lying to the clients about where the money was and why they couldn't give it to them. And so that's essentially the fourth cause of action. The fifth cause of action is against California Attorney Lending and DiNardo. So those are the lending, it's the lending company and the individual who was involved in the lending company. And this goes back to what we talked about in last time's episode, last time's episode, in the last <laughs> episode, where there was a promissory note signed and Erica had signed it. It essentially is alleged to have said that they would get paid first for other loans that Jordy Keys took out before the clients were paid their settlement funds. They are the only ones included in this cause of action, California Attorney Lending and DiNardo. Sixth cause of action, and this is again against Cayman Griffin. Lyra, Hatcher, and Wrongful Death Consultants. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Legal Team. Have you guys been on Quince's website recently? I shopped on there like three years ago for the first time and bought myself a bunch of cashmere sweaters. I lived in the black cashmere sweater, lived in it. And I hadn't shopped on there for a while because my cashmere sweaters lasted for a really long time. But I decided to go back on there and oh my gosh, have they completely expanded everything that they offer. The workwear, they have washable silk. And I mean, it's so affordable. I also shared with you all that I'm recently engaged and I'm in the middle of wedding planning. So anytime I'm shopping, I'm thinking about wedding, 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 wedding. And they have everything I need for the wedding. I just booked my honeymoon. We're going to go to Southeast Asia. It's going to be hot there. And I've been looking for good linen pieces. Guess what? Quince has good linen pieces and they start at only $30. Then I'm like, okay, we need to get our wedding bands. You know who has fine jewelry now? 14 karat gold quince. So I send the link to Avery and I'm like, you have to get your wedding band from here. It's affordable and it looks just like any other wedding band. I mean, it looks great. Another thing I'm doing, again, I have wedding on the brain. I want to look my best. So I'm like, okay, I really want cute little matching sets to go work out in. It's the only way I can get motivated. I have to like wear a cute little matching set. I've gotten really into Pilates and guess what? Quince has the matching sets. They look identical to matching sets I've already purchased from another sports brand. They have the same thing. And at a fraction of the cost, I was able to get two tops and one pair of pants for the same price that I could only get one set at this other sportswear place. I mean, come on. Quince is just killing it. If you've shopped there before, it's time to go back on again. They have just completely expanded the categories of goods that they have to offer. They're not just all about cashmere sweaters anymore. They have got a ton of stuff, and I highly recommend you go check it out. If you're ready to go try out Quince, go to quince.com slash docket to get free shipping and 365-day returns. That is q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash docket to get free shipping and 365-day returns. That is an amazing guarantee on their goods. So go check it out. I highly recommend it, guys. And this is conversion. And so some of these things kind of overlap over each other. And typically in most jurisdictions, when that happens, you when it gets to 
like a trial or whatever, you have to pick which one you're actually going to assert. I think this is just common law conversion, what they're alleging here, because I don't see a statute. Essentially, it's that they took control over money that didn't belong to them, which I think we can all agree from the facts. You can understand why that's being alleged. So the Lionair clients each own and at all times after the money was wired to Girardi Keys have had an absolute and unconditional right to possession of the amounts due to them as listed on their settlement closing statements prepared and provided by Girardi Keys. Cayman, Griffin, Lira, Hatcher, and Wrongful Death Consultants wrongfully and without authorization assumed control and ownership over all or part of settlement monies. And that essentially is conversion. When you take control over something that doesn't belong to you, that you don't have the right to assume control over. So they added in here, conversion is a strict liability tort. However, defendants intentionally and maliciously deprived the Lion Air clients of their property. And when you see words like intentionally and maliciously, that's usually a sign that there's going to be a claim for punitive damages. All right. Seventh cause of action is unlawful and unfair business practice. And this is under a California statute, the California's unfair competition law. And this is against California attorney lending, Lyra and Griffin. So again, the lending company and then the two partners. And so this claims it is unlawful, not claims, this is true. It is unlawful for an attorney or law firm to share attorney's fees with a non-lawyer. And this alleges that, again, they were sharing attorney's fees and settlement funds with the California Attorney Lending, so the lending company. It says, California Attorney Lending received monthly bank statements for all of Girardi Keese's bank accounts and had full access to all of Girardi Keese's books and records, and it therefore had actual or constructive knowledge of Lyra's theft of the Lion Air settlement funds. Which, if that's true, that's crazy. That is really pretty damning in and of itself. Eighth cause of action, Consumers Legal Remedies Act. Another thing just for any baby lawyers out there or just any people that have been wronged in some way, anytime you see a statute or a cause of action that starts with consumers, it's usually going to have some teeth. Consumer Protection Act typically have a lot of teeth. If you have been sold something that was a lie, there's a lot of actually really strong state statutes that protect you. And I advise you to look that up and see if there's a lawyer that can help you because those have a lot of teeth. This one is against California Attorney Lending, Griffin and Lira. And it says the Lion Air clients sought to acquire legal services from Griffin and Lira for personal and family purposes, not for any business purpose. California Attorney Lending and Jority Keys entered into a promissory note on November 8, 2019, by which California Attorney Lending loaned Jority Keys the principal amount of $8 million. The promissory note provided that Jority Keys would execute an irrevocable letter of instruction authorizing payment directly to California Attorney Lending from the defendant and or its insurers of $3,500,000 from the net fees and expenses due to Girardi Keys on the Lion Air crash cases. The terms of this promissory note were never disclosed to the Lion Air clients. On January 31st, 2020, Lyra signed a letter that directed Perkins Cooey to pay 50% of the attorney's fees in the Lion Air clients' cases directly to California Attorney Lending and returned it to Kelly Anthony of California Attorney Lending. That day, Anthony emailed the letter Max Schultz of Perkins Cooey, counsel for Boeing in the Lion Air matters. Lyra knew that this arrangement was unlawful at the time that he signed the letter. So something I was going to mention when I was talking about the other cause of action is when you hear knowledge or willful, that normally means that you're going to get more damages depending on the statute. And so like under the unfair competition laws in California, if it's like with knowledge or done willfully, you get opened up to trouble damages. 
So an increase in damages and the same happens in like copyright law. I know we're not talking about copyright, but what I practice in, if it's willful, then you get a higher statutory range. So yeah, knowing willful, out. malicious, intentional, those are all things that point to trouble damages or punitive damages if they can be proven typically. That's... I like to say when you go to law school, you're basically a wizard and you're going to wizard school and you're learning how to say words that will invoke things. It's just a lot more boring than Harry Potter. And <laughs> when you see those words invoked, that means that you are going for typically a high level and extra level of damages. Ninth cause of action, deceit. I think deceit is kind of self-explanatory. And again, there's not a specific statute cited here. So this is just oh, common okay. law deceit. Done. And the 10th is deceit as well. Griffin got his own, own deceit. He gets two counts of deceit. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Interesting. So let's go over the damages. The, the prayer for relief. Mm-hmm. So again, prayer for relief. This is something that comes from English common law. I always thought it, I just like when you are just like a normal person and then you go to law school and it's like, why do they, why are these specific words being used? It's usually if it's something that sounds like prayer for relief, it's from English common law. But so they want an award of actual damages in an amount no less than, and why is that redacted? They redacted the amounts throughout a lot. I think it has to do with the specific. Oh, the settlement amounts are confidential. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Pretty much anytime you get a settlement with a company, they're going to ask you to keep it confidential. That's pretty standard. There's an award of damages in an amount no less than blank, an award of trouble damages as permitted or required by law in an amount no less than blank, an award of restitution for defendant's wrongful conduct, an award of reasonable attorney's fees and costs, and an award of punitive or exemplary damages in an amount no less than $55 million. An award of interest? The creation of a constructive trust and such other and further relief as the court deems reasonable and just. And then they requested a jury trial for all issues so tribal. One other quick okay. comment, just a shout out to an intern I had helping me one time that was a millennial. And she was looking at court documents. And you know how anybody that's a lawyer or that's been involved in court knows that at the end of an order, it says it is so ordered. And then it has the judge's signature. And she looked at me and she's like, why does the judge say it is so ordered? And now every time I see it is so ordered, that's what I hear in my head. It is so ordered. Well, it just okay. now every time you see it is so ordered, you're going to hear in your head, it is so ordered. Now I am. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so let's. This is the end of the complaint. We've read through it all. Let's answer some questions that we got. The biggest one I think we got was why is this not a criminal charge? This is a civil lawsuit that, like we've mentioned before, Edelson is bringing on behalf of certain of the Lion Air victims. This is civil. It alleges a criminal enterprise, but it is all through civil statutes and common law. We've been saying. Well, we know. We know it was referred to federal prosecutors. We don't know what's going on criminally. We don't know. So I've said many times, I don't think there's going to be criminal charges unless and until the bankruptcy court is done with the accounting, because really all of the criminal charges are based on where did the money go? Who had the money? Where did it go? How was it? How was it used? Who had it? Who took it? And the bankruptcy court right now is the federal court that is doing a remarkable and diligent job of figuring all of that out. I don't think they would bring criminal charges until they have the full extent of it, because as a prosecutor, you would want to bring everything all at once. You wouldn't want to have to amend the charge or bring more. There's the right to confront your accuser. You need to know. There's the speedy trial issues. There's so much going on there. And so until the bankruptcy court is done with its forensic accounting and figuring out 
all of the potential claims that could be made, I think it's reasonable that they're and and I think it's a, a prudent use of tax dollars and government resources to not bring those criminal charges until that's done. There's also the Fifth Amendment issues. If a criminal case was brought, then in the bankruptcy, the people involved would be asserting Fifth Amendment because they wouldn't want to incriminate themselves. Now, that can come up in the civil case as well. And this is a civil case alleging criminal acts as a predicate for the racketeering. But Unlike in a criminal case, in a civil case, you can use the assertion of the Fifth Amendment privilege as a negative inference in a civil case, because Edelson has to allege criminal acts as the predicate for this civil RICO claim. But if all of these people take the Fifth, then they can have a negative inference against them. So that could actually be a strategic advantage for Edelson in this case. All right. And then the other question we got is why Tom Girardi isn't named here. What are your thoughts on that? My initial thought was because he's incompetent, but that doesn't make sense because he is still a party in the bankruptcies. I don't know. He just thought he had nothing in his pockets and it was not worthwhile to him. This is a civil case. In a civil case, the only remedy is either an injunction where that forces somebody to stop doing something or money. And Girardi doesn't have any money. So there's no money to get from Girardi. And also Girardi has already indicated that he would plead the fifth. There's no money you can get from Girardi. Girardi already admitted to this, as we've seen in this complaint. Sessie and I have read out where Edelson has said in this complaint, Girardi has admitted to this several times. He's admitted it in a deposition to multiple of these factual circumstances. And then he's been declared incompetent and he's under conservator. So it's like, why waste your money going after him? Why waste the time? He's already admitted to things. He's been declared incompetent and he doesn't have any money. So he was also, yeah, already sanctioned by the Lion Air judge. Yeah, he already lost his law license. Yeah. I believe that these victims are creditors as well in the bankruptcy. So to the extent that they're going to get any money through the bankruptcy or from Tom, it'll be through there. Why throw effort after foolishness? This is a lot of effort on Edelson's part. Edelson has stated in a pleading that he has signed in federal court that he will not take any money unless and until all of the victims has been paid back. If there's no money to get from Girardi, Girardi's already admitted on the record to multiple facts that support what he's alleging here. And Girardi's already said that he's going to assert his Fifth Amendment right. And he's been declared incompetent and he's under conservatorship. It logically, it makes sense. There may be a lot of other reasons that I'm not thinking of as to why he hasn't asserted it against Girardi, but those are the ones I can think of right now. It also shouldn't harm him. Like It's not like because he doesn't have Girardi named here, he can't name all these other people that were alleged to be involved in the scheme. There's logical reasons why Girardi isn't named. All right. So that is the Edelson lawsuit. And this is the lawsuit that Erica was served with as she returned from her supposedly luxurious Hawaiian vacation. It's the photos we all saw. But it was filed weeks before she was served. Do you want to give like a high level discussion on what services and why she received it so late? When you file a lawsuit, whether in state court or federal court, there are procedures that you have to follow for making sure that the person that you are suing or the company that you're suing has adequate notice of the lawsuit that's been filed so that they can respond. And I actually don't know why it took them a while to get her served in this, maybe because she was in Hawaii, but 
there are very specific rules for how you get someone served. We've talked a little bit about it in previous episodes, but essentially you have to provide the court with proof that you properly informed the person that or the company that you're suing of the lawsuit and handed them in one form or another an actual copy of the lawsuit and we've probably all seen this on tv where there's someone that comes up and says you've been served you don't have to say you've been served but you do have to hand them the lawsuit in one way or another and typically personal service is a good way to do it that way the person doing the service can actually fill out the affidavit and say, yes, I personally served this person by handing it to them. We know Erica got personally served at her house in Pasadena when she was still there with some of the Gomez documents. That That's proof. It's, you went to their house, you handed it to them, you personally served it directly to them. So I think that process server that we all saw in the photos at the airport is probably the most famous one in Bravo history. We should get her on the podcast. All right. And now moving on to the next lawsuit, which was in a weird connection, filed by Nicholas Cage's ex-girlfriend. This lawsuit is filed against Erica Girardi, an individual, EJ Global LLC, the limited liability company, Pretty Mess Inc., the corporation that Erica incorporated after EJ Global, and then Samantha Gold, who was an attorney that worked with Girardi and Keese, and then John Kelly Courtney, who was an attorney who worked through worked with Girardi and Keese. And the plaintiff here is being defended by Ronald Richards, which we have talked about Ronald Richards a lot before in the past. He is back in the swing of things against Erica. Yeah, he's trying to buy Erica's in Tom's former house now in Pasadena. Oh, yeah. We'll get into some of the Ronald drama. Do you want to just high level mention what this one's about? So this complaint that's been filed by Christina Fulton alleges some very similar things to what we've already talked about, basically saying that Erica's company, EJ Global LLC, was created for the purpose of funneling money from Girardi Keys to benefit Erica. And the complaint alleges that the Girardis were using Erica's company to avoid paying taxes. We've discussed that on past episodes, those types of allegations. And again, it's alleging that she was aware of the scheme. So Christina Fulton was involved in a lawsuit that Girardi got money for, and she's just another person that wasn't paid. She just happens to have been or she alleges she wasn't paid. She happens to have had a previous relationship with Nicolas Cage. So that kind of, I guess, makes it a little bit more juicy. I actually looked her up because I didn't know who she was, and she's got a skincare company now. So Doesn't everyone? <laughs> I don't have a skincare company. <laughs> Maybe we should. I think that space is a little bit saturated. <laughs> I know. No, but really, like, I just feel like everyone. What happened to Ramona's? Uh, what was it called? Ageless. Ageless by Ageless. Ramona. I don't know why she didn't call it Maven. Like Miracle Maven yeah. Cream or something. Ageless. I was just laughing the, today for some reason about Ramona saying how people tell her she looks like Cameron Diaz. I think because <laughs> I saw a picture of Cameron Diaz and I was like, wow, Cameron Diaz looks great. And then immediately now I associate Ramona with Cameron Diaz, even though she looks nothing like Cameron Diaz. Literally doesn't. Like not at all. I guess all. if you say it confidently enough, people start believing it. I don't I've been... believe it, but now I see Cameron Diaz yeah, and I think of Ramona. Just... Yeah. I've just been like dying over her photos and videos from Ibiza, which I think was a couple weeks ago. And it's just like, when I'm nearly 60, that is the last place you're going to find me is in Ibiza. Anyway, Not me. I'm going to be partying it up. No, I, 
I'd rather be like soaking in the bathtub than clubbing in Ibiza at that age. But good for her. Wait, why are there pictures of Christina Fulton with Nicolas Cage in this complaint? Why is that relevant? Should we ask Ronald? It's not. That's another irrelevant inclusion. It's exhibit A in the complaint. There's, let me just search this for... No, I see. Yeah. There are like model photos of her as well. We'll post this on our Patreon for those who want to see it. Okay, so well, to give a little more context, on March 29, 2019, there was a settlement issued to Girardi Keese and Christina Fulton. And then they're saying on April 8, 2019, the check was deposited into Girardi Keese's nano bank account. And it said the check was to be deposited in trust for Christina Fulton. And they're saying, and this is on paragraph 14 of this complaint, that this was a complete outright forgery as plaintiff never endorsed this check and certainly never agreed to have it deposited. The Girardi Keys firm had the audacity to endorse the check to be deposited in trust for Christina Fulton. And again, he says, this negotiated check was in fact a forgery and a lie. The check was never held in trust, but spent. It is beyond shocking and the pale that the firm would conceal the arrival of the check and not obtain Ms. Fulton's endorsement as required by law. Yeah. And it was after she had a car accident yeah. that she was represented. So it's kind of more of the same. It's Yeah, it's very similar to what we just talked about in the Edelson complaint. It's literally paragraph one. <laughs> it says, Plaintiff Christina Fulton, plaintiff or Fulton, is and at all times material hereto was an individual residing in Los Angeles, California. Miss Fulton is an innocent victim of the fraud and theft perpetrated by Thomas Girardi and his wife Erica Girardi. Miss Fulton is a well-known Hollywood figure who has a child with Academy Award-winning actor Nicolas Cage, Exhibit A. But it's weird because the photos in Exhibit A, which again we'll post on our Patreon, it's like solo photos of her doing yoga, sitting (laughs) pensively on a red carpet, and then a headshot, and then two photos of her, like paparazzi photos with Nicolas Cage. All I'm saying is if you're going to (laughs) put gratuitous photos in for no reason... Just go ahead and put them in the body of the complaint. Yeah. All right. So that's that. Should we say what she's seeking? For unjust enrichment against defendants in an amount, according to proof, but not less than $744,650. That's almost three quarters of a million dollars, pretty much. So that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then special damages, attorney's fees, amounts to be determined at trial. It's a lot. Okay, and then Erica's attorney, who has represented her throughout all of these cases, so the bankruptcy, the case against the trustee that br- the case that the trustee brought against her, I'm assuming she's going to be represented by the same counsel in the case that Edelson brought against her, Evan Borges, released a statement about this specific lawsuit and said, first, Erica, a non-lawyer, had no role in the actions of Girardi Keese in dealing with clients of the firm or managing the firm's finances. Second, Erica reasonably believed, along with most of the legal community, that she was married to an extremely wealthy attorney with a financially successful law firm. Erica's lifestyle and persona on a housewife's show are not legally valid reasons to sue her, especially for things she didn't do. The focus should be on Girardi Keese and where supported by evidence, the lawyers, accountants, and financiers who enabled the law firm's misconduct. And then Richards also released a statement on behalf of plaintiff and said Erica is not being sued because she was Tom's spouse. She is being sued because she was the number one beneficiary of misappropriated client funds and engaged in tax fraud with Tom to keep the funds. She needs to return some but not all of the settlement that was stolen by Tom with the help of others at this firm 
who are who we are investigating but may not be defendants yet. Erica cannot keep all the benefits of stolen client money. Innocent spouse does not provide immunity for misappropriated funds. So next are these complaints. I think this is what people were really asking us about a few weeks ago. They were like, what are these lawsuits? And we'll go through them, but we don't know. We'll give our best guess. We're going to read through them. What? Yeah, they're weird. It's discombobulated. It's hard to read. We won't read through all of it. I think we'll give our thoughts on what we think is being alleged. We're just reporting on this. I don't even know what to say about this. Mm-hmm. They're all allegations. These were filed in court. We don't know if there's any truth to any of this. We are just reading what is in a legal pleading. We have nothing to substantiate it. That's it. We're really just commenting on the fact that these were filed and then... There's some responses from actual lawyers that represent Bank of America and Merrill Lynch, who did an excellent job responding. If somebody threw this on my desk and was like, hey, we need to respond to this complaint, I'd be like, what is this? Mm-hmm. What is going yeah. on here? Yeah. And like litigants, you're allowed to represent yourself. Do um, not recommend. <laughs> some of the standards. Yeah, don't recommend. But some of the standards are a little bit lowered for people who are representing themselves. Judges kind of see that you're not represented by counsel and can be a little bit more lenient. Yeah, so here the plaintiff is pro se, so representing himself. And his name is Nicholas. So these are all filed by Nicholas Pips White, who apparently owns the Hollywood Land Development Company. This is the person that had the huge settlement that was reported about that could help the bankruptcy victims. But there's just a lot of things in these complaints that don't make a ton of sense. The complaint isn't about Tom and Erica. They're just mentioned as people who may or may not have deposited a check fraudulently. But it's not just a check. It's like the scheme has all been an attempt to keep the plaintiff's funds of $27,492,774,000. Thousand six hundred and twelve dollars. Wait, against Tom and Erica or Bank of America? I don't. It's not clear. Yeah, because the defendant here is Bank of America. Yeah, but it's not clear. Yeah, so it's a lot of words. Anyway, we tried to read through it. There's some fraud al- alleged against Bank of America. Tom and Erica are named in here. Rick Hilton's name in, named in here. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So there's just here the defendants that had to respond to this. The complaints are essentially incomprehensible, but the defendants that had to respond to this did a good job responding. So what we're saying about this is if you see a complaint that says Nicholas Pips White on it and makes wild allegations about the Girardis, we respectfully suggest that maybe don't pay too much attention to those. Well, yeah, I mean, it was all over. Was it law.com or lawradar.com or something? It was everywhere. And every, like, Bravo account was sharing it. Like, Tom Girardi accused as posing as this man's husband or man's wife. It's just, it's incoherent. Yeah, but hopefully that was entertaining. So the last thing I think we should talk about, and it might be difficult to talk about, is it didn't get picked up by that many people, but Ronald Richards recording a conversation with Tom Girardi and the reason I want to bring it up is because he said he had a reason to record it and it turned out that the reason was because he was representing Nicolas Cage's ex-girlfriend in that new lawsuit that we just mentioned. I mean it's hard because I almost don't want to even give it any attention but I also feel a responsibility to 
just say that I thought it was inappropriate behavior to record Tom Girardi, a phone call that he purportedly received from Tom Girardi from his care facility. So I don't even think it's he should be answering a call like that. Tom has to be represented by counsel. And Tom, we all know, is in a conservatorship and has been deemed to have severe dementia. So I don't think that's appropriate. And I agree with you that it wasn't appropriate to record it either. Yeah. And Ronald claimed that he would be... I didn't watch it because I didn't want to watch it or give it any weight, but that he was going to talk about the full call on his YouTube. And it's just... I think that crosses a line, personally. But Agreed. We don't... It yeah. just, in, well, even if it doesn't cross a line, yeah. it just seems icky and we don't like it. Anyway... This was part two of the Not Another Erica episode. There were some articles released by the LA Times recently talking more about the earrings and some more inconsistencies between the statements that Tom and Erica made, which we actually pointed out in Instagram post as well, but some really juicy articles. We were hoping to talk to the reporters on the podcast that might be coming in the meantime feel free to read their articles. We love great reporting from the LA Times and Law 360. Shout out to them too. We are going to have some new merch coming out soon. So you can show off your JD in reality TV. We just want to say we are so grateful for our Patreon supporters. You guys inspire us to keep working extra hard and to work late and get the podcast done. And we love it when you guys ask us questions on there. We do prioritize trying to answer our patrons questions first when we're short on time all right well thank you for listening bye legal team hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network.